Hey, I wanted to ask a massive favour of you. 80% of you who listen to the podcast regularly don't follow it. If I could ask you just to hit follow wherever you listen, I would really appreciate it. It's an excellent way for us to get bigger and better guests and the ability to grow the community beyond anything we could imagine. It also helps the podcast grow more than you could ever know. So thank you. How strong is your love for your favourite car, track or racing series? Is it something that without its presence in your life would make you unhappy or even depressed? After all, does it form a part of a routine that keeps you sane and present? Because I know the time I spend driving my car. It clears my head and allows me to process ideas and actions. And our guest today shares that same passion. Not just with the cars, but with his faith as well. I feel it's essential to believe in something, a god or omnipresent force. It doesn't matter what you think. After all, that's how communities are formed, right? I mean, what do we talk about and share over coffees or meals with friends without a common interest and something to bond over? And so if you want to learn how to build a community around passion, belief and sharing of a common interest, you'll love what comes next. You know, very early on, kind of begun to build an appreciation of the cars I liked and, and maybe some of the cars I didn't like. And from that moment on, that was it. It was Aston's. It was reading more about the company. You find out that James Bond drove a DB5. Wow, that's amazing. I had an ejector seat and machine guns and all this stuff. For me, it's about the people that have been on my journey. The stuff I've done, the uh, cars that I've had a go in or, you know, been up close to, all of that doesn't happen without people. I mean, I was at school at a time where saying to an art teacher, I want to be a car designer, you know, they kind of looked at me blankly and, you know, they didn't quite get that this thing could, there were people who did that. My parents weren't really kind of, you know, they were car people, they didn't quite understand. I knew I wanted to do it. And there was this great kind of environment of some really, really good, talented people. And so you can't help but rub off on them. And, and you know, for me, it was just, it was brilliant changes your life no two ways about it but it's also really exciting challenging and i wouldn't change it for the world my last big breakdown with it was about seven years ago yeah. um, both my wife and i are passionate about mental health and mental well-being and and about sharing your story and talking about it because it's only by doing that you break the stigma of it um, and that other people who may feel isolated by it can suddenly, you know, hear somebody else talking about it and going, okay, it's okay to talk. What is it that that, that makes you tick? What is it that, that gets you up in the morning? And, mm. and I don't mean just the alarm clock, but, you know, what is it that really fires you up? This podcast is lucky enough to be sponsored by ilike2race.com, a brand new social network all about motorsport. And unlike other certain social medias, it's not toxic. And it is just full of people that love motorsport and competition. I mean, I am competitive by nature to the point where I've got a bit too aggressive in certain ways. I mean, just to, just to think of the place I can now go to discuss McLaren and to discuss the ongoing drivers and who's going next. I was gutted when Daniel left, but I can't wait to see how they progress and get other people's opinions on I Like to Race. I'll be getting in there, getting involved. So if you're like me and you love competition and you love motorsport, I like to race.com. And if you want more information, look to the show notes below. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for your time. No, so there's, um, yeah, it's the thing I like to start off the podcast with, just to sort of give you an understanding of of the guest and sort of build a foundation to the story of of your journey. And that is sort of what do I need to know about sort of your childhood, growing up, your influ- early influences to understand the person that you are now. Goodness, oh, um, there's a question. 
Um, there's a there's a, probably a number of fairly strong influences for me uh, in terms of the person that I am now. Um, obviously, you have your your own family, and 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 I grew up in a big family. Um, my parents were both working. My mum was a teacher. My dad was a vicar. So, um, so that that kind of shapes you. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, and I would, you know, being a man of faith, God and Jesus would have shaped my life as a kid. That was, you know, it was one of those things I grew mm. up in. Um, it became personal to me at the age of about five or six. Um, so, um, so there's that. And then there's, um, there's a chap who, who sold my dad, um, a secondhand car and, um, he worked for a dealership in Northampton yeah. where I grew up and he and his wife became kind of long-term family friends. And, and he was a bit like an adopted uncle. And, um, he then went on to be sales manager for an Aston Martin dealer. Lovely. And, um, so that's kind of where, uh, the whole cars, the whole, um, love of Aston Martins particularly kind of all kicked off when I was quite young and, um, you know, and he would bring, um, cars over when he came to see us, he would bring cars over. Um, and so we would have kind of top end Jags or, or, um, once or twice we had an Aston sitting in our driveway for a day. Lovely. Um, yeah. So, and, and that kind that kind of, um, influence never went away. You know, it was, it was always there from then on really. Um, and yeah. it was because of him bringing us brochures and things that I sat drawing cars. So, and so, is it, yeah, yeah. So is, that, is that where the creativity come from, wasn't that? And then, was it so you just started drawing cars from there? Or? Yeah, I mean, I come from, yeah, I come from quite a creative family. So we were quite, we were more kind of art rather than maths and science as a family, I think. So my dad, in his spare time, uh, oil painted nice. and did watercolours. Uh, my mum was a prolific um, needle worker. I mean, she would, you know, give her a set of knitting needles and she'd kind of knit mm. for England really. Um and then um uh she was also a calligrapher and she did really nice calligraphy and she taught us to write with yeah. fountain pens. So I wrote with a fountain pen long before I ever wrote with a biro. Um so um so yeah so we were always kind of and, and we were encouraged to draw and try stuff and paint and you know um and my dad would take us out sometimes on sketching days where we'd kind of go and sketch trees and stuff. Um, you know, and then I'd sit in the car park sketching the cars because uh, that was just what I loved doing. You know, cars were just, they were the thing really. So, um, yeah, they, that, that from a very early age, you know, it was cars, 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 cars. And you could always tell where I'd been around the house because there were bits of paper with cars doodled on them. Exactly. I mean, I, I, used to, I used to do exactly the same thing. I mean, I used to draw these, ridiculous cars that had like v20 engines and I, I, i'd sketch them out and put all this stuff on it and big exhaust pipes coming off it and to be like flames on the side so they I, I i get it it's um it, it's something that i wish I'd, i do more now but i've uh i've had to i've had to um get get more boring as i've grown up and to stop doing more of the things i love but that's that's a, that's a story for another day so obviously you've this 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 this, uh, this uncle or this this person that's come into your life through through your parents did he ever sort of did he ever sort of explain the cars yeah. to you? Did you have a relationship with him in that sort of sense? Yeah, I mean, he. It, it was actually a conversation I had with him once. Um, 
So I asked him what, you know, as every small child does, you know, what's the fastest mm. car in the world? And he got me this book off his bookcase, this little brown um, hardback book. And he found a picture of the 1977 Aston yeah. Martin V8 Vantage. And at the time, that was the fastest accelerating road car. There was there was nothing quicker. And particularly with four seats, it was, you know. And he said, that is. And from that moment on, that was it. It was Aston's. It was, you know, Aston's first, other cars second, really. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I've reading more about the company. You find out that James Bond drove a DB5. Wow, that's amazing. It had an ejector seat and machine guns and all this stuff. Um, and... Um, yeah, so that kind of my love uh, for cars was really shaped by him and really, um, you know, very early on kind of begun to build an appreciation of the cars I liked and, and maybe some of the cars I didn't like. Um, and he would bring brochures. Like, I had more brochures than I knew what to do with. And I just would spend hours and hours and hours reading these brochures over and over and over again. Um and um and that's kind of never left me because i still have a collection of some brochures um under my table back there that are brochures that i've kept over the years that for me are kind of significant um but i loved it and i i loved looking at the pictures of the cars i lo loved looking at the shapes and um yeah and so naturally it just kind of led into well i can try drawing them and then to find out one day that there was actually a job where people actually did this and drew cars and made models of them and, and all of that um you know i i thought wow that's 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 got to be worth a shot really um but it's um yeah i i, I think and, and you probably hit the nail on the head right at the very beginning really that it it's a for me, it's about the people that have been on my journey because the stuff I've done, the um, stuff I've been really privileged to to do and experience, and and some of the uh, cars that I've had a go in or you know been up close to, all of that doesn't happen without people, and um, uh, you know they've just been some amazing people that that I'm just incredibly grateful to have to have been part of. Of even you know a short chunk of time with them, um, and my uncle and and that kind of uncle figure sadly died when I was a teenager, um, but his kind of um, the echoes of his life kind of affected me for a long time really because I, you know, I remember the first time I I I was, a couple of years ago I was um, artist in residence for Aston Martin and. Um, and so to kind of sit there drawing an Aston Martin live at Goodwood um, in the paddock, you know, I couldn't help but think of him really and think, well, you know, crikey, here I am. And it all started with that little brown book and that little conversation. So, yeah, I think it, for me, it's all about people and it's about the the effect that they had and, and the, the things they've shown me and introduced me to really. No, it's fantastic. I think it is, like you said, it is, you, like you've hit the nail on the head. It was always all about the people, like not just cars, but all communities. They, they help us and they're not just there to to talk about some of their interests. Like you say, it's, it's someone there that introduced you to something new that you go, wow, here's this thing that I didn't know about. And all of a sudden mm. you might just have an immediate attachment to it. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's, I wanted to talk about your journey, Adam. And so like, yeah. 
when it when it came to obviously that that career that you found out you could you could do that thing you loved and you could make a career how was how was it sort of expressed did you go through education was there a was there a school involved just just I'm trying to get an idea of it because the people listening I tried to sort of give them an idea of what they can do with their passion so if there's a if there's a route that someone's taken that I can help explain then that'd be great so for you how was the education system tilted towards your passion and how did they help you did they help you find a job I mean I was at school at a time where kind of saying to an art teacher I want to be a car designer kind of you know they kind of looked at me blankly and you know they didn't quite get that this thing could you know that there were people who did that um and blessing my parents weren't really kind of you know they weren't car people um they they didn't quite I think understand and I don't think I particularly understood all that was involved yeah but I you know so I would do stuff like I'd draw some stuff and and then send it off to design studios and you know and they would write very nice letters back and say well this is what you need to do you need to go to university and you need to study automotive design and um and um and it wasn't until I was about 27 because I'd done some other things before then mm. that I finally took the plunge and and decided to go to university um and to to study automotive design at Coventry University and it was a four-year course and in the third year you had the option of doing an industrial placement which to me just seemed a you know a great way of of learning on the job as it were mm. so i i went um and did four years at coventry with a placement with mg rover um in the third year um and learnt presentation techniques and design history and design theory some basic aerodynamics and basic engineering yeah uh, and um and loved it actually even though i was kind of probably the the oldest one on the course i i loved it and i think it was because i i knew i wanted to do it um and there was this great kind of environment of some really really good talented people and so you can't help but rub off on them and and you know for me it was just it was brilliant um and um and because of that third year placement i had an interview at mg rover as soon as i'd finished my fourth year and, and got my first job so um so i was very fortunate to to kind of land a job because um it's a really competitive industry and yeah. um and so um you know i was really pleased to be able to 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 have the opportunity and again you know met some incredible people through that process who guided me and i mean the guy that looked after me whilst i was a placement student he was my placement supervisor really really good guy um and um and somebody i got on really well with and still kind of keep in touch with now um yeah, yeah so um and that was that was a way to do it and then you could if you wanted to you could apply and do an ma um either at coventry or or some of the guys in my course applied to go to the royal college of art down in london and i wondered about doing that because i just thought well that's a really good course and it's another year two years of study but um yeah. um but by that time i'd become a dad so uh, <laughs> i couldn't be a perpetual student for the rest of my life so um i i took the job with mg rover and actually 
was really glad I took the job because it gave me uh, an invaluable learning experience because there's nothing like actually doing it on the job, learning, being there in the design studio, you know, day in, day out, talking with engineers, other designers, um, managers, you know, it, it, there's no better way of, of kind of getting to grips with the job. And, and I was very fortunate that I was there under Peter Stevens when Peter who designed the McLaren F1 and the Lotus Esprit and, you know, Lotus Elan and, and a whole yeah. lot of things. Um, and he was a great guy to have as a boss as well. So, yeah, very, very lucky. Thank you for listening so far. And before we get back to hearing more from our guests, a huge thank you to those who support the podcast by listening and sharing it among friends and enthusiasts alike. Suppose you could help by becoming a patron. By becoming a patron, you can access live events and video podcasts. These podcasts will always be and continue to be free forever. But like anyone doing something out of passion, I want to improve. Better guests, audio and more production. If you're willing to give a small monthly amount and invest in my mission to inspire, inform and entertain by getting better equipment and giving me more time to invest back in the podcast, I would be forever grateful for anything you can provide. If you're currently on your journey to explore your passion for cars and need help introducing yourself to people in the industry, Patrons will also be having a one-to-one with me to help advise and see if the network I have built during this podcast can help you achieve your goals. I will leave further information in the show notes below if you want to know more about how you can help. I mean, yeah, it seems like you've, like, so throughout your journey, you always had this, I don't know, this this um, this um guiding figure. You want to say, there was something like your uncle or this man that you worked for at MG. So, I mean, what was it like when you had had the baby for the first time when I've, I've now got a... I've not got to be that figure for. Yeah, there, there is that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I think in some ways, if you try to sum up the story of my life, it's about cars and faith and how they interact and people really. Mm. And and so faith was massive, and so there was always that kind of um, guiding figure in in the the person of Jesus, really. Um, and then there were other people. There were people who, yeah, I think it's a it's a good observation really that were people who just i don't know naturally they just kind of seemed to to be able to kind of show me stuff and do stuff and i was you know and i love that kind of experience um and that kind of relationship with people yeah i think like every new parent you are absolutely scared out of your skin when you first become a parent i mean it's just you know it changes your life there's no no two ways about it but it's also really exciting and challenging and and I wouldn't change it for the world my kids might say different I don't know um but uh, but um yeah no it, it was I remember the whole very proud dad thing of you know driving home from the hospital on the first day with my son when he was you know tiny tiny and um yeah um that's an incredible thing and um and, and nothing can prepare you for it. I don't think you 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 kind of have to really experience it yourself to um, to understand a little more of, of what it's about. And there are still people I think now, even now, who are people who I would not necessarily guiding figures, and maybe, um, but certainly people that I am. I can feel that I can be completely myself. One of those, obviously, my wife. Yeah. And there are a few other people who know me and know some of the struggles I've had in life um, with stuff like mental health and, and all of that. 
and and who I can be really honest with. And it's not that I'm dishonest to everybody else, but it's just I think you you find people that that are safe people for you to to kind of open up to and to talk to. And um, yeah, and I'm you know I feel very fortunate to have some good people like that behind me, really. No, it's, it's brilliant. Like I said, again, it, I guess it comes back to the whole community thing and the people around you that that, that have that. And I mean, if you don't mind speaking a bit about your mental health journey, because I can't imagine having a kid when you just started a new career can be as plain sailing as it sounds. Like, what what kind of was when did when did the mental health journey start? Really? Yeah, no. I mean, I think the mental health stuff mm. was there longer than that. Really, it was it was there perhaps before I I met my wife and got married and. Um, in that I struggled with um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, but I didn't know what it was at the time when I was initially going through it. And it's only through having gone through it that my wife and I have kind of worked out and gone, oh, yeah, this is what this is. And then um, learned how to live with it and manage it. And sometimes it's still a challenge. Other times it's it's not so much a problem. But it... Yeah, so that I think kind of really started probably my teenage years. Um, but as I say, I didn't have a name for it. It was now, obviously, we know what it is. And as I say, we've come up with ways of managing it, of dealing with it. Uh, but it, it um, it's about living with it, really. Um, and it's not, you know, for, for, for those who may be listening, it's not you know, that I, I'm super tidy or like to keep my pencils all in order or anything like that. Um, but it's the, it's a kind of anxiety thing. And so your brain will lock onto one particular issue and it'll just spin around and get bigger and bigger and bigger in your head and, and cause you anxiety. And, and there have been times, I mean, where I've been very, very poorly with it. And um, certainly contemplated stuff like self-harm and... Um, you know, um, and I've um, had my last big breakdown with it was about seven years ago. So, um, yeah, um, both my wife and I are passionate about mental health and mental well-being, and and about sharing your story and talking about it because it's only by doing that that you break the stigma of it, um, and that other people who may feel isolated by it can suddenly. You know, hear somebody else talking about it and going, "Okay, it's okay to talk. It's, it's, you know, it's important that we do talk about this stuff, um, and we don't kind of make people out to be weird if they're they're going through it, but we support them by listening. So, um, and that's always been something that's been of huge value to me with people who I talk to and open up about it, and it it, it it's something that I hope. <laughs> Certainly, my wife and I try and offer yeah. in the relationships we have with people, and and it, it it's one of the central parts of the Revs community that that we started, cool, uh, six years ago. Now, so yeah, I think yeah, mental health is, is a big thing to talk about, and it's like as you said, it's just it's just coming out of a stigma that you can't speak about it. Like I don't think I've mentioned it to people at all. Like like even on the podcast, like I used to suffer with panic attacks, not massive ones, but they were like. I used to work with someone I used to go out with and then we broke up and then it was a whole thing that I got anxious and tired about, about seeing her around other people and whatever. That's, that's a, that's a story for another day. But yeah, I totally see what you mean. It's like, it's like, it's, it can be paralyzing. Like it can be sort of something that stops you. And it is only when you speak about it. Like I had to, I had to go to therapy recently, just, just, just coming out of lockdown. I looked at my life and I was like, 
something needs to change. I can't really keep repeating the same patterns. I can't keep self, not self-deprecating, but, but putting myself in the situation to be like that. And so I think removing myself from, from the situation was the biggest thing. And so how was like you said, you mentioned, you mentioned revs. So how did this come about? Obviously you said you, you started with your wife. Is that how it started or what was the conversation around that? Uh, no, I mean, revs, so revs started really as a way of, um, so when I became a vicar and, um, and did my training, um, I began to feel a sense that, um, that actually, you know, what we did in church or, 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 or what we talked about in church or, or what God meant and, and what Jesus means, um, just seemed kind of quite locked away yeah. in a building and um and there wasn't the chance for people to ask questions to um you know to kind of look at faith from where they were at rather than where the church expected them to be at and um and i said and i kind of was um i read some stuff i i thought long and hard prayed you know talked to people about what does it look like if if we take church out yeah. of the building and to a completely different and and in and talk in a language that most people will understand rather than in church language that, that a lot of people don't understand um even some that go to it so um and and i was just one of a whole kind of movement of people that have been asking this question and have been kind of thinking about it particularly in the last 10 15 yeah. years really and um and so Rebs was kind of the answer was, you know, well, what are the, what are the, who are the community that I feel most at home with? And it's the car community. And so what does it look like to take church out to the car community? Well, it probably doesn't look like what we expect mm. church to look like. And we started by doing an annual car show in the church I was working at, at the time. Um, and each year that we did it, it grew in numbers. Uh, and then, um, after I kind of recovered from my breakdown back in what, 2016, I kind of thought, well, this is great. We're, we're getting these people coming to yeah. this event, but actually we're not getting to know them because we're only seeing them once a year. So why don't we do it every month? Why don't we do a kind of cars and coffee meetup? So we did that, uh, here in Shropshire. Uh, the first one was, yeah, 20, 2017 it was. And then, uh. We had a second group start in 2018. Mm. Um, that was another church in the area who said, really like what you're doing, can we join in? So uh, we started Revs Enville in 2018. We now got four Revs community groups that meet in different locations across the West Midlands. And these are all places where you can come and you can just talk about cars if you want. Or you can come and you can find a listening ear if you're struggling or you just need to talk to somebody. Um, or you can come and you can ask about faith and ask questions about faith. We don't preach no. at people, but people know where we're coming from. And um, and it's a chance for them to explore faith if they want. So, so what we tend to say is these groups exist for people of faith, no faith, and everything in between. Um, and there will be people who come and they just yeah. talk cars. And that's great. There'll be others who will begin to open up and say, you know, I'm having a really tough time at the moment and I just need somebody to listen. Um, and then, you know, there will be people who say, well, what do you believe about this then? Or, and what does, you know, what does your faith 
what does it mean to you and and, and so we can kind of answer those questions too and explore that with people if they want to but it's very kind of a it's very inclusive and b it's it's very laid back and it's it's more about the relationships that we yeah. make with people um you know and we don't kind of bang them over the head with the bible so um uh and food yeah is a lot food of, helps uh, is is at the heart of it as well um and and so we we started those different revs community groups as i say yeah. now four but obviously during lockdown we couldn't do that you know everybody had to stop meeting in car parks and uh and um and it kind of you know made me think well what do we do now really you know we've got to stop all these groups um we got one group that was just about to start and we had to pull the plug um because of covid and uh, i went for a walk with my wife one night and um she said to me you know why are you grumpier than you usually are and i said well because i can't get my car out i can't yeah. go and see people and she said to me well why don't you think about doing something online there must be a way of doing it and um and so that kind of kick-started the online Facebook Revs community, um, which uh, is now, I think, um, I think it's about 8,300 people in it. Um, and um, and we, so we decided that we would do a, um, a weekend of stream video yeah. content uh, for people, um, and people could... Um, also join in and we've got a whole load of people who are in the automotive media so we've got people like Vicky Butler Henderson, First Townsend, Paul Cowland, Jimmy Deville, uh, mm. Mike Brewer and then we had a few companies come in and join us so we had some restoration companies, uh, we had Aston Martin Works um, over at Newport Pagnell, they came and helped uh, and everybody shot these little 15 minute videos and then uploaded them and we staggered them so that uh on one weekend saturday and sunday every 10 minutes there was a, every 15 minutes there was a new no video problem. going out and um and as well as all those other people there were there were people who just wanted to to show off their car so we said brilliant you know do us a 15 minute walk around of your car and we'll we'll add that in um and um and we kind of when the night before we went live with it um i noticed that a couple of the magazines had picked up on it and, and advertised it and so i was really nervous because i thought well if only three people sign up to watch this this is gonna be it's gonna fall flat on its face um and um by the end of that first weekend we had three thousand oh, people uh you know and that meant you know we kind of said well what do we do and lockdown didn't kind of show any signs of stopping so we we did another one the next month um and then we ended up doing six throughout the whole of lockdown um including one where we um test drove some cars around Bister heritage's test track and filmed it um and um you know uh so that people could see yeah. stuff moving because obviously you know we weren't seeing all of that so um and it, it just it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and um and now we're kind of we have a, an online presence we have various events and things that we do we have the community mm. groups meeting 
Uh, we do our own classic vehicle tour in September, October time. We're doing our third one this year. Um, we're just about to to start a community restoration project of a Land Rover, uh, which people can sign up, come and get involved with. Um, partly to kind of restore this 1975 uh, Land Rover 109-inch wheelbase, um, and um, and partly so that we can kind of promote that actually doing stuff like this is good for our mental health and our mental well-being and good for the community. So we're we're that kind of kickstarts at the end of the month, really. We're we're we've got our first restoration weekend on that. So th- there's there's suddenly a lot more to what we're doing. Um, and we're now a, a, a formal non-for-profit organization. Um, so we're a community interest company, um, with a kind of remit to promote spiritual and mental welfare, um, for people in the car community. Um, we have a board of directors. We're a business, isn't it? Real now. So, um, yeah, but it, 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 you know, it got to a stage last year where it was getting bigger and I was thinking, I can't keep doing this on my own. And, and, and so it seemed the right time to, to turn it into something more formal. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's brilliant. It sounds like it's, it's really taking off. And for the people that want to, I mean, maybe want to start their own thing. And and you've, how did you sort of, I don't want to say grow it because it, the community grows itself. If you're, if you're putting out decent values and then you're, you're being, being genuine to yourself. So, I mean, if someone wants to go, I want to start anything that around cars, or I want to just, I mean, starting is a good point, but like, what would your advice be to sort of grow it and take it to the point where you can then look at getting that, that board of directors, those, those mentors for the business. I mean, it takes, it takes time. I would say don't expect for it to happen overnight. And there'll be times where it seems like it's growing and other times where you'll feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall. And I think you've got to be yourself in the process so that you 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 remain true to yourself and you know because there'll be times where you know the whole world isn't watching your youtube channel or whatever um and um you know it might just be one or two and you've got to be there for the one or two as much as there for the for the thousands or whatever i think it's very difficult if i'm honest because i think it it really does depend you know, I think some of the stuff that I've seen, you know, people have obviously put a bit of time and effort into thinking what makes it different, what makes it, you know, um, because there's so many, there's so many YouTube videos, there's so many uh, podcasts, there's so many communities out there. Yeah, it's 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 what do you do that that might be different, or if you're if you're wanting to do something and somebody's already doing it, go and join in, go and join in with what they're doing. You know, go and be part of it. One of the things that I hope that we really do kind of work hard on with Revs is that we we say anybody can come and get involved. Yeah. And although, yes, I am the face of it, I'm not the only person involved with it by a long shot. There are so many people who have helped, who've kind of guided it, who've um, been part of the process of it growing. Um, as I say, I've got a brilliant board of directors. You know, there are there are all kinds of people who've just given their time to make it happen, and 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 I couldn't have done it on my own. And I think that's the other thing: you surround yourself with people who will help you make things happen, and um, you don't kind of live under the assumption that you can do everything yourself. But you you learn from the people who are really gifted at stuff, and you 
you build yourself a good team and i think that's that for me is is really key um the teamwork stuff is you know like i say revs wouldn't be where it is now without a whole long list of people who've got involved and done stuff and uh, it, you know i'm not in any way suggesting that revs is the be all and end all you know it's yeah. it's tiny by some online community standards it really is and it may just be for a time i don't know you just you never know um but at the moment we you know we're working to try and grow it we're working to try and um and do something we hope really positive within the car community and so for now we'll kind of keep plugging away at it really i think like just any community in a whole if it if you if you're just trying to be just just trying just trying to be there for people i guess is what i'm trying to say is like it's it's going to naturally grow and Something I wanted to ask you, Adam, is is where did Bista come into it? Because you're now the, 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 the chaplain for, for Bista Heritage. Yeah, so I, uh, Bista Heritage, I started going to Bista um, literally two months after I had my breakdown. Mm. And I, um, I went, for me, I kind of went for therapy, really. Car, kind of car-shaped therapy. And um, and I remember the first Scramble event I went to and, um, and drawing... Um, during live at, at the scramble event with a sketch pad and you know um and uh, a dear friend took me down because i couldn't even drive i was just that poorly mm. and um and it was great you know and i found this amazing place with all these amazing cars and people and um and the lady that had um arranged for me to be there tiggy she's now one of our directors at revs um you know and she worked at Mr. Heritage. Um, and I just kept going back and back uh, each time I could get find an excuse to go back, really. Yeah. And they, you know, they were very kind of hospitable and welcomed me. And um, and I ended up doing some stuff. I did um, the Monte Carlo Rally with the Blue Diamond team. So Blue Diamond is a Riley specialist um, based at Bista. Um, amazing bunch of people. And, and, um, and John Lomas, who heads Blue Diamond up, said, you know, you're going to come and do a rally with us one day. And um, and so I got the chance to do the Monte Carlo rally with them. Oh, wow. Uh, the Monte Carlo Classic rally. And did it in a, a 1949 MGTC. Um, so, so I had loads of amazing experiences um, through Bicester. And then just uh, about three, four months before lockdown, um they asked me if i would consider being their chaplain yeah and uh, it took me all of five seconds to say yes um and um and so i've been their chaplain ever since so my role there is is the the pastoral care of people uh on site whether that's a specialist whether that's the the main Mr. motion team whether that's um you know, and, and sometimes being a visible presence for people so that they know that there's somebody they can talk to if they want. Whether, again, whether they have a faith or whether they don't. Yeah. Um, the idea is to be a listening ear and a support for people. Um, and and to be visible at certain events as well. So that, that again, it's it's about promoting BISTA as a community because, you know, that's, that's what everybody there hopes and wants it to be. It's, mm. it's not just a um a set of businesses it's a, a community um there and there are some amazing you know amazing businesses there and quite incredible and and you get a bit kind of well i get a bit 
you know, after you've seen like another Jaguar E-Type go up the main avenue, you kind of go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I, 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 I have to remember, um, you know, that this is, they're all very special. I mean, there's some amazing cars there. There's a lovely little Austin 7 there, which is, you know, um, I'd love an Austin 7 or a, a Fraser Nash, but maybe one day, I don't know. But yeah, it's just, it's a great place. And 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 I've been very fortunate to be there and, um, and in a very small way to kind of be involved in building that community. Really. Mm. And so, um, Adam, if I, if I said to you, like the next five to 10 years are going to be the best years for Adam possible. I mean, what would you say would have to happen or would you want to happen within those five to 10 years for that to be true? I don't know. I'd really like to see the the whole car community opening up even further and becoming more and more inclusive so that, um, you know, people who maybe didn't have lots of money or didn't have an old car could still feel they could be part of it and enjoy it. And, you know, I'd love to see that. Uh, that would be amazing, I think. For me personally, I don't know, really. I mean, I'd love to see my kids grow up and, and yeah, it, it, yeah, don't know, really. I d- yeah, I just, I think seeing a community grow and develop, whether it's Revs, whether it's Bista, whether it's the wider car community. Yeah. And, and be a really positive community to the people that are part of it and to be open and inclusive. You know, would just be that. That's 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 what gives me the biggest buzz. Um, we we were very fortunate this year in the, or last year. We did our second pilgrim tour, so we go we do the ancient Christian pilgrim routes of North Wales. It's an amazing road. Scenery is stunning, uh, and um, and we encourage people to kind of use it as a pilgrimage, whether they have faith or don't. But but to kind of say, well, you know, for some people, pilgrimage is about kind of faith others it's about just stealing yourself away from the busyness of the world and rethinking where you are in life and and for others it's about going on a journey with other people and sharing that experience together and and so we've been running this pilgrim tour this will be our third year coming up um but last year we did it uh, and we did it with support um from a few companies and one of them was morgan yeah and um morgan enabled us to uh have two cars on the tour um that were uh used by people who wouldn't normally get the chance to do anything like this and we asked the community to um nominate people that they felt deserved it um we had two people from mission motorsport which is brilliant and then a, a couple from from right up north uh near hull uh they came and and um and had the Morgan. And the, the great thing was because of Morgan's generosity, we were able to do it in a way where they didn't have to pay for anything for the whole weekend. Oh, wow. They just came and we were able to give it to them all expenses paid. And to kind of ring up people and say, you know, um we want to give you the opportunity of driving a Morgan sports car for a weekend. Um and and they were blown away. You know, yeah. the, one of the couples that I kept speaking to on the phone was saying, we're just waiting for you to tell us this is all a big scam. And we said, no, it isn't. You are coming and there's a Morgan with your names on it and you're going to drive it. And um, and to see them just kind of absolutely have a blast all weekend in these Morgans. And 
um, and to be able to kind of step out of their their own situations and their own busyness and their own stuff going on at home and to to have that weekend you know that that was just such a big buzz for me mm. um because suddenly we'd work with a whole group of people to make sure that people who didn't think they had access to this stuff suddenly had access and and to me that was that was worth doing it on its own really you know it was everything else kind of was brilliant but that was the key thing for me and so you know, I'd love to be involved in doing more of that kind of stuff with people um, yeah. over the next 10, 15, whatever, however long, really. Um, but to, yeah, because I think that just, you know, it just makes them feel good and it makes you feel good. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. You know, I mean, that's the stuff that I want this, this podcast to be able to do for people. Like I said, I can't just say, I want to help people with a passion. I've got to prove it. And it's, 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 it's stuff like that that I, I want to look into doing and I'm going into schools and speaking about not just cars, but as, as, as ways you can pursue your passion. So it's, it's great yeah. to get, it's great to get ideas like that just to do drives and sponsor, to get sponsored drives would be, would be a great way to start that. And so um, Adam, I know we're coming towards the end here, but there's sort of like um, a couple of questions. Like I'm now calling them the fast five and I'm waiting okay. for, I'm waiting for fast and furious to come in a, take that away from me but that hopefully doesn't come in too soon and the first first question of those of those of those five is um what is your ultimate three-car garage oh oh okay now i can answer this i think um i would have uh an aston martin db4 gt zagato yep i would have a alphaholics gtar um and um Third one is always always tricky. Um, I'd probably have a. Um, I'd have to go with something kind of slightly more family oriented, I guess. Um, oh yeah, no, this is tricky now. This is this is yeah, this is. Um, you don't have to fit the family in it. I mean, okay, <laughs> okay. There is there are, there are no rules. It's it's, it's three okay. or whatever. It'll be me and me and my wife. Uh, we'll have a Lotus Esprit S one. Um, yeah, that'd be my three car garage. I think when you say that, you start then kind of going, well, what about this and this and this, and you kind of end up with five car and then ten car garage. So yeah, that's that's, it. that's what I'm going for. Yeah, decided. Brilliant. And I guess the next one is sort of if you have any, if you could take one car to any road or track it anywhere in the world once, um, what would you take and where would you go? I'd take probably the Alphaholics GTR again. <laughs> And I'd probably go up the Grossglockner um, mountain pass in Austria. Um, I lived in Austria for three years. Okay. And um, and we were about an hour from the Grossglockner, no more really. And it's just an amazing road. And it goes up Austria's highest mountain. So the views are incredible. And it's where they used to race the auto unions and Mercedes hill climbs back in the 1930s. Oh, Okay. So um, yeah, so I would go up the Grossglockner with a, a GTAR alphaholics. I'll add that to the list of, of roads people have suggested because now I've got I've got this list. Okay, <laughs> and I'm going to make a world tour. I think I'll just I'll just uh, every podcast to pick a place. The next one is sort of who inspires you. So if we're looking at people that have inspired you in the past or things that inspire you. I mean, out of out of the things you can think of, what what would that be? Um, there are there are quite a few people that inspire me. Um, Jesus, obviously, and that's not just because I get paid for saying that. Um, 
but um, the whole of Revs is shaped by who he is, what he said, what he did, um, the way he treated people. Mm. Um, my wife inspires me. Um, she's an amazing resource of strength and encouragement. And and again, she's one of those key people that, that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now without her and her support. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, that they're... The, the the main two but i think um i get i get inspired by by different people's stories i love stories that you know one of the things we talk about at revs is that as every car has a story so does every owner and um yeah and i love those stories and so i'm often inspired by those stories and one time we did um a virtual event where there was a a guy who got a i think he bought a, a japanese coupe from the 90s for about two grand um, when he'd been feeling down um, and his wife and he bought this car to kind of help him get back on his feet, really. And mm. um, he was sharing his story on one of these Revs videos that we did and sharing his car. And um, I could have cried, you know, because I just thought this is exactly what we're about. So so I think um, people are lots of different people in their stories. I find hugely inspiring. Yeah. And it's one of those things, I mean, I used to go to church as a kid and the things that were most stand out for me are the ones where people stood up and told their journey of faith and how they found Jesus. And it was those things that I I don't go to, like I said, I don't practice my faith now. I don't, I don't go to church as often as I used to, but that, that stuff still sticks with me. It's I guess it's the morals and the, the, the teachings from, from the Bible that, that have stuck with me most. So it's brilliant to... Like you say, in that way, those things do inspire anyone. They, they should. Yeah. It's just the, the, what is morally what is morally right, I guess, or what is. I think for me as well, it's it's, it's about what um, what happens in somebody's life when something like they meet Jesus, or you know, something that brings restoration in their lives. Yeah, and I find that hugely inspiring. Or and this guy with his two two grand Japanese coupe, you know that was hugely beneficial to him massively so and um and so um you know as i sat listening to his story i just thought wow that's incredible you know um yeah so it, those stories of of change of positive change of of people you know and this particularly relates i guess to jesus more than anything else for me but when people understand his love for them and and they mm. take that on board and that's massive no i think i think accepting accepting people the fact that people can love you anyway is is, is a great sort of is a great strength for, yeah. for your for your confidence yeah. and and for anything else going forward uh what is the most modification what is the most important modification to a car that you think is 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 important to to making any, any good car i mean there are the there are the obvious ones like safety and, and all of that which you know uh goes without saying really I'm slightly different. I'm going to say taking the roof off. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, or, or or kind of having a convertible, I guess. I've been uh, fortunate to drive um, a few open-top cars this last year. Uh, one particularly was the new Super 3 Morgan. And, nice. um, and, and having no roof and being completely open is just an absolutely brilliant feeling. And it, it's a car I kind of... I drove around him for a weekend and I was just laughing out loud all the time um, because it was just brilliant. And it made me feel fantastic. And it, I didn't have to do silly speeds in it to feel 
like a complete hero driving it. Um, and and so anything that that's that kind of open and raw, I think, is a good is a good thing for a car to be. Fantastic. And the last one is, if you had any advice to give to either a younger you or a young, not even a young person, anyone that wants to pursue their passion and do something they love, what would be the advice that you give to them? I mean, I think it would be, it would be, what is it that, that, that makes you tick? What is it that, that gets you up in the morning? And, mm. and I don't mean just the alarm clock, but you know, what is it that really fires you up? And, and, um, and I think be honest with yourself and that there are some things, you know, I'd love to be a fighter pilot, but um, I need glasses and I don't like going upside down. So that's not going to make me a good fighter pilot. No. So you, you've kind of got to be honest too and and honest with yourself, you know. Um, but also within that, you know, there are things that, that maybe we can be passionate about. And, and it's explore the different ways that you can then use that passion and and maybe ask the question, you know, how can I use this passion for something good um, and not just so that I can grow a, a huge bank account or or drive the latest thing or, you know, but actually what can I do with this? What, what can I do that will bring me a sense of fulfillment and, and maybe have a positive impact um, where I am and around the people I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think the word, the word purpose comes to mind when you say that it's, yeah. it's finding your purpose. Yeah. I think, yeah, like, so I guess you're looking at it, some of the best companies are founded on purpose. Like if you look at, if you look at Netflix, for example, that's a guy that loves films, I guess. Yeah, that's it. I, I mean, I would say as well, the one thing I, mm-hmm. I would add to that, um, Harry is really that you, you surround yourself with good people. Mm. And I mean, good people by the sense of people who will know you and who'll be honest with you and will ask you sometimes those difficult questions that you may kind of make you shift uncomfortably in your seat, but will be the questions that actually are really important. Um, because they're often the people who who have your best interests at heart and uh, and at the same time want to make sure that, that in that in that process of following your passion and looking at what it is, you you do remain true to to yourself, and you do remain um, true to the reasons that you're doing it. Um, so I know that there are people who will say to me, you know, how are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? And mm. not just kind of you know, and will 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 kind of pull me up if I need pulling up on something. Um, and it hurts and it's awkward and it's annoying and frustrating and all of that stuff, but it's so, so important. Um, yeah. You know, um, and I would say one more thing, don't take yourself too seriously. You know, <laughs> laugh at yourself and, yeah. um, and, and recognize that, you know, you don't have to have umpteen million followers on Facebook or YouTube or, or whatever to have purpose and value. You know, there's, there's inherent value in, in who you are um, anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'd be fine with no one listening to this podcast because I just get to enjoy these chats. So, yeah. So, yeah. Adam, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And no, thank, no, you for, thank you for being so honest. Yeah. No, thank you very, very much. Thank you.
Adam, or the Rev, as he's more affectionately known, is more than just a car enthusiast. He's a people enthusiast. His group, Revs, is full of the kindest and most thoughtful people in the automotive community, with projects like building and restoring classic Land Rovers, to having conversations and sharing why people got into cars. It's rare to have someone be so selfless with their time and energy that to bring them out of one of the toughest times spawned one of the best car communities to come out of the UK. It's given me a lot to think about and be grateful for for all of you who show up each week and listen to my guests and their stories. Having been inspired by Adam, I would love it if you could share a small video of your car and send it to info at ignitionpod.com so I can share it with our community. And I'll be doing the same. So look out on Instagram, YouTube and TikTok to see who drives what in our Ignition community. I look forward to seeing what you guys have to share. And so with that being said, I'm Harry and this is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and along with all of you that share the podcast already, it's excellent to see that we're in the top 10% of most shared podcasts over 2022. And that blows my mind to know that you are helping however you can to spread the podcast. And if it just helps one person to figure out what they want to do with their passion for cars, it's so worth it. So if you wouldn't mind, share it with as many people as you possible and anyone that you know that loves cars. This podcast is lucky enough to be sponsored by iliketorace.com, a brand new social network all about motorsport. And unlike other certain social medias, it's not toxic and it is just full of people that love motorsport and competition. I mean, I am competitive by nature to the point where I've got a bit too aggressive in certain ways. I mean, just to, just to think of the place I can now go to discuss McLaren and to discuss the ongoing drivers and who's going next. I was gutted when Daniel left, but I can't wait to see how they progress and get other people's opinions on I Like To Race. I'll be getting in there, getting involved. So if you're like me and you love competition and you love motorsport, I Like To Race.com. And if you want more information, look to the show notes below. Now, back to the episode.